Got a few minutes here before people start getting into the chat, I assume. So, it's been a really nice day, except for all the rain that we're having. It's amazing the weather here in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, at one moment, it's just absolutely beautiful, and then two minutes later, it's just downpouring. And it's funny how, like, a lot of people who move up here from, like, Southern California or something, they're really not used to all the rain that takes place. And it's funny they ask, it's just like, so when does the rain stop? And it's just like, you get nine months of rain. Right, those days do not run consistently. I don't know what to say. It's nine months of rain, you know. So anyway, um, left a bunch of links down in the description for you guys. It really shows, like, if you go and look at the Whirlpool um, or the Wall Street or Wall Street Journal article talking about Whirlpool and how Whirlpool is starting to um, notice that there is definitely demand waning from here, and it's totally makes sense right i mean it's the same thing that we have been talking about for the last few weeks and including the video that we talked about yesterday where consumer demand for these products is just not like it was not during the pandemic not when everybody got their stimulus checks not when everybody was trying to improve their surroundings how many times do you need to buy a new desk or computer or washer and dryer or any of that stuff like nobody needs these items like they once did when they were feeling like they wanted to improve their surroundings. Now they're more into going off and enjoying themselves with concerts or restaurants or just experiences in general, traveling around and doing whatever. But we noticed this starting to happen. Like I, I left a link down in the description. It's the very last link down there uh, for Peloton. And the, this is the uh, stationary bike company. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, when people are locked down, they wanna exercise, they wanna keep fit best way to do it is on a stationary bike. So there was a huge demand for these for these stationary bikes and they went all out trying to figure out how it is that they were going to get these bikes these stationary, you know, bikes this equipment to the people and they ended up kind of overextending themselves trying to deal with just the logistics of getting these bikes through the system only to come to find out that by the time they were able to get it through the system people really didn't want them anymore. Like they had that initial huge demand for these things, but then that quickly faded away as people, you know, got their bikes and didn't need any more of them. Here, I'm gonna put a little windshield or sun shield on. Keep from cooking my phone. Anyway, um, what else did I wanna talk about? I don't know, I just wanted to share some of those links down in there in the description for you guys. It just really shows that the consumer demand is starting to fade away, and we are going to experience a lot more of this. I mean, you think about it with the, layoffs and mortgages, the slowdown in, you know, retail consumers coming into the lumberyard that I'm experiencing. You can see it happening with the appliances like Whirlpool. Um, you know, just recently we saw where the semiconductors are still in short supply. They're still hard to get. They're still like, it's still difficult within the system, but it's not getting worse. It's starting to become better. And like, especially with the trucking, the trucking issue is really probably the, the canary in the coal mine for the whole situation. I mean, I think the, even the most recent freight waves article that I put down there says something like trucking has hit a 22 month low or something. I mean, that is incredible to think. I mean, you know, considering how difficult everything was just a year ago, it's really starting to ease up now. So anyway, let's see here, 168 of you. 
Thank you so much for hitting that like button. We have 36 likes right now. The more likes you hit, the more chances of this video getting spread around YouTube and more people coming into the chat. So I'd really appreciate it if you hit the like button. Um, what are you guys all talking about out there? So much for the Democrat utopia. They talked about America went off a cliff after 1965. Fiat currency did nothing but make everyone poor. Um, not, nah, I, I, I mean, I don't think it made things better, but I certainly don't think it made things poor. We here in the United States enjoy the benefits of having the world reserve currency that creates a demand for our dollar that normally would just would not be there as countries and corporations around the world seek out dollars in order to do their world trade. That benefits us dramatically. That's one of the reasons why we had such a high standard of living. It's also puts us in a position that is very compromised because now the standard of living is no longer able to be maintained and the only way to keep up with it is to forever go deeper into debt, which will eventually lead us into poverty. So you're all right in the end. We're just not there yet. I mean, the United States still enjoys the re world reserve currency and that high standard of living because of it. Uh, let's see here. I like silver. Well, you know what? I like silver too. I like silver too. Have a look at cryptos today. Gold and silver lagging too. Almost everything but energy is getting whacked. Yeah, well, I noticed that oil was dropping too. It was under $100 a barrel. I see that all the gold and silver and all that other stuff is dropping. You know, one thing that I do see rising though is the dollar, like I said it was going to do. I said the dollar was going to rise since the beginning of the year. In fact, I've been talking about the strong dollar for quite a while. You know, I mean... It was such a narrative out there, such an inflation narrative that nobody considered that the dollar could strengthen. Nobody even even considered it. But yet against the basket of world currencies, we are continually seeing the dollar increase in strength. And I have a feeling that we are going to continue seeing that for, for quite some time. Um, you know, I mean, we're going into monetary tightening right now. And the Federal Reserve is going to start pulling that liquidity out of the system. Once that liquidity starts getting pulled out of the system, you're going to see people in panic mode trying to get their dollars to try and pay off their debts. You're going to find asset prices dropping dramatically as people are no longer wanting to take out loans to buy these expensive houses and cars and stuff like that. But at the same time, there is such a short supply of the things that you actually need in your life. In order to carry on with your standard of living, it's going to cost you ever-increasing amounts of money, like to buy toothpaste and food stuff like that it's gonna get hard you know uh where do you find info like oil prices energy etc um like where do i find the information on it i just peruse the internet i try i don't go to any one source like i don't go to this particular you know online publication or anything like that um there are times where I have gone looking for information, so I will go to those sites and try and search out particular information, but I do not go to the sites just to gather information from those particular sites. Generally, what I do is I peruse headlines, and then I'll get a feel for something that I want to research, and then I will start searching out articles that have to talk about that particular topic. So I don't really go any one place to try and find information. I just try and gather information from as many sources as I can. And usually, it, like, if somebody sends me an article about a particular topic, 
I will read that article and then I will find other articles that try to relate to that particular topic so I can gather information from other sources. A lot of times you'll find where somebody will take a little piece of information, just like a little bit of it, and just blow it way out of proportion. So it's just like all of a sudden you think like the world is coming to an end. You just find out that it was really more of like more of a rumor than it is an actual fact, you know. All right. Hey, thank you so much for the $1.99, Eric. I really appreciate that. Uh, have you noticed people losing interest in their hobbies? Music, gear sales as as crashing, for instance. I'm bored of my hobbies post-pandemic. I don't I don't know. I never I never thought about people losing interest in their hobbies. Um I just try I try to find interest in other people's hobbies just so you know I can try and connect with them better. But um yeah, I mean, I guess so. There's like people who tell me they fish less, you know, like I heard that, like they're not, they're not out there doing as much stuff. I guess maybe the pandemic took a lot out of their, took like a lot of the wind out of their sails for a lot of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I guess maybe you're right. There is a lot of people who are probably backing off on their hobbies, especially if their hobbies cost money. Like, you know, I mean, fuel costs a lot. So if you're fishing like off a boat or something like that, then it would cost all this money for fuel, extra money for fuel. And gear and everything else that goes with it so i could see where like maybe you know lack of lack of money might pull people away from their hobbies and stuff so i don't know um i should think a little bit more about that one to see if i notice anybody else is is pulling away from their hobbies more uh gonna wait they are going down hard uh, i'm not sure what that one was about where do you see the economy in five months well this is the thing guys we are going to <clears throat> really begin to see the effects of the Federal Reserve rising of interest rates. When they make this announcement that they are going to raise rates, when they actually step in there and do raise rates, the markets, they react immediately to that. Like they, they are in there doing their buy and sells and whatever it is that they're going to do in reaction to that, to that interest rate rising or the announcement of it. When the interest rates do rise at the Fed funds level, and that moves into the effective funds rate, and these big banks start lending to each other at a higher rate, that takes time to start working its way through the economy before we start seeing the real effects of that. So here in about five months, we are going to see what the economy feels from the rising of interest rates that the Federal Reserve did last month. You kind of, you see where I'm kind of getting at there? So this is where like, the real pain is going to start setting into the economy, not just what the markets are reacting to, because a lot of people look at the Dow and think the Dow is the economy. That's, that's not the economy. Those are markets. Those that's much different from the economy. It's one of the indicators of what's going on in the economy. I mean, you can see if people are panicking about whether or not they're comfortable about being in the market or if they feel comfortable about, you know, whether or not there's going to be growth and profit coming into the future by being in the market. And if you're getting out of it, you're fearful of it. So that tells a lot about what's going on in the economy, but the markets are not the economy. That is, that is different. The economy is, is, is different from that. So five months from now, we are going to see the effects of what the federal reserve has done with their rising of interest rates. And since they're going to continue doing that into the future, come five months, we're going to start feeling the effects of it. And then the multiple rising of interest rates that go after that. I'm guessing in five months, we are really going to start seeing a slowdown in car purchases, home purchases, like people just spending in general as they're spending more money on, you know, the cost of food and fuel and 
just not able to have that wealth effect from the rising of the markets and their real estate and stuff like that. So five months from now is not going to look good. It's going to it's going to start being painful. And then from that point on, if the Federal Reserve continues with that with the monetary policies that they're saying that they're going to do, then the pain is going to get really tough. And probably in about a year, we're going to start seeing like what would be, in my opinion, the effects of like something like a recession coming into gear, coming into into play. That that's my opinion on it for the next five months. Um, but a lot of that is going to be like you know what happens. I mean, the Federal Reserve has announced that they're going to be doing the the monetary tightening and the rising of interest rates and the unwinding of their balance sheet. They have set all this stuff. Markets are reacting to that. The Treasury markets are reacting. You know, like the bond market and all that. They're all reacting to this news, but they really haven't done much yet. I mean, they've raised a half a point. They're like they're barely there. You know, so. Anyway, five months. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough time. There's gonna be there's gonna be a lot higher payments on mortgages, and that's gonna be a number to the sales of homes. You can already see it happening with like, you know, the layoffs from mortgage lenders. They already see it coming. They know it. <laughs> Thank you, Adriana. Yeah, we hit ninety thousand yesterday. Uh, 90,000 subs. It's amazing. I can't believe how many people have, have subscribed to the channel over the years. I mean, you guys are amazing. Anybody think it's a good idea to move to Lake Havasu, Arizona right now? Um, yeah, that's going to be somebody else's guess. I'm not sure. Hey, right on. We're getting a few more here. A few more super chats. Let's see what they have here. Eric, thank you. $1.99 for the super chat. Is it possible to go into negative rates in the future? Yes, anything is possible to go into as far as the future goes. Now, you also have to think, like, are you talking negative interest rates on the sovereign debt like the other nations around the world have done? I mean, there's a lot of different interest rates that we could look at as far as negative debt goes. And when it comes to, like, negative interest rates is different from a negative yield on a bond. Um, you know, that's that's kind of two different stories. You gotta think like a bond and the yield from that can go negative if the if the investor is willing to pay enough for that bond, right? So by like if an investor pays so much for the bond that by the time the bond pay the investor back the interest payments plus the face value, it wouldn't be as much as what the investor had paid for. That's a negative yielding bond. It's not the bond itself that has gone negative. It's just the price that the investor has paid for that bond has gone negative. And it doesn't make a lot of sense that an investor would pay more for a bond than what it's going to return to you. I mean, it just absolutely does not make sense unless you are speculating that the governments around the world or the central banks around the world are going to go more into their quantitative easings or their asset purchases and they would be willing to buy that bond off of you for a profit. That is the only reason why an investor would buy a negative bearing bond is because they anticipate interest rates are going to go deeper into negative territory and they could sell that bond off for a profit. It's pure speculation. There was a time when the bond market or the bond investors used to call the gold investors dumb because they were buying a dumb asset. They did, you know, at least when you buy a bond, it had something that had an interest rate to it. Well, now, you know, when you think about like the interest rate that a lot of these bonds pay, 
some of them went negative, meaning that you were not going to get back as much money as you put into it. And then the interest rate that some of the positive yielding bonds were paying doesn't beat inflation. So really, if you're in the bond market and you hold it to maturity, most likely you're holding something that is a negative interest rate or a negative yield to begin with. Negative interest rates onto the personal bank accounts, like you have a savings account and they apply a negative rate to that. Can they take those rates negative? Probably not. Most likely, people would pull their money out than to leave it in there and, and lose money to a negative rate. So you just pull it out in cash. This is where the central bank digital currency is going to start coming into play, where if you have a central bank digital currency, you have no choice. It's in the system, and if they apply a negative interest rate to it, that's this the suffering you have to deal with. So what they will do is that it will push people to not save, but actually spend their money instead, because why would you hold on to it if it has a negative rate, when you can go out there and spend it now and not lose any of your purchasing power. So negative interest rates can go to like sovereign debt, as far as as far as the yield goes on it but negative interest rates applied to a personal bank account most likely will not happen although there are cases of like you know where people are charged like a fee to have an account or if your account is so big that the bank finds it a burden to hold your cash and they charge you a fee to hold your cash which is kind of weird to think too but it does happen so there are some people who have so much money in the bank that they get charged a fee for it, which is kind of like having a negative interest rate. Um, or some people who just have a fee on their accounts. Anyway, it doesn't mean if it's big or not. But that's the case with it. I mean, most likely people would just pull it out in cash and then not suffer the, the effects of a negative interest rate. So no, negative interest rates on personal accounts can't happen unless you have a digital currency. And yes, it can happen on the sovereign debt because we've already experienced that one. All right. Wow. A couple of you guys with the super chats here. Thank you so much. Uh, let's see here. J6, $1.99. Rates could be one and done. Um, yeah, they could be. Um, the only problem with it being like a one and done is that they would probably lose a lot of their credibility. And that's the one thing that the Federal Reserve is trying to hold on to, although a lot of people don't trust the Fed or don't believe the Fed, they still listen to everything the Fed says. And when the Federal Reserve says they're going to go raise interest rates, even though they don't believe them, they say, look at what they're about ready to do. So they do believe them. I mean, even if you don't think they have any credibility, they still hold on to their credibility. If they go and just do a one and done, like this is it, that's as far as they're going with the interest rates, it's going to be very hard for them to convince the markets of what it is that they're going to be doing into the future. Because they could be saying, oh, say, oh, I'm sorry, guys, you know, we... We screamed so loud, all the governors, all the presidents, everybody who works for the Federal Reserve was talking about all these crazy interest rate risings that we're going to do, but we decided to back off on it. That would be such a crying of wolf that they would have a very difficult time trying to trying to continue to give that forward guidance and have anybody believe them. So they will probably not do a one and done. I would assume that they're probably going to continue to raise the interest rates up until they get to that two and a half mark, that two and a half um, on the Fed's fund level. That's probably where the neutral rate is. Although, according to the John Williams speech that we had read, you know, it's more like one and a half percent. But if you listen to a lot of the economists, a lot of the Federal Reserve, um, you know, presidents and governors, they say that that neutral rate of where 
the Federal Reserve is no longer accommodating nor restricting the economy. They're neutral. They say that's somewhere around that two to two and a half percent. Um, I don't think they really know exactly where it's at. Like, I mean, it's probably, you know, fluctuating on how much activity is taking place in the market at the time. But anyway, that's that's kind of what I see happening there. All right. What was that other one here? Uh, a random yole. Uh, 1999. Thank you so much. What would the ideal reserve currency look like? Would it look something like fiat currency, something like crypto? Um, ideal, ideal, ideal currency. Um, I honestly think gold is, I think, I mean, gold is, and I think Bitcoin or something like similar to Bitcoin the cops are driving through. Um, they're keeping an eye on all the homeless out here. Anyway, um, I think gold or something like Bitcoin would be a good reserve currency. Something that um, recognizable, it's useful, it's global. It can't be like, you know, artificially manufactured. Something like that is is, in my opinion, is going to be a decent reserve currency. But I honestly don't think there's really like any ideal currency out there. I mean, if it's something like gold then you can concentrate the wealth, right? And if it's something like fiat, then you can print up as much as you want and it doesn't really have much of a value to it other than what people are willing to accept. Um, so I don't think there is an ideal currency out there. It just, I don't think there is one. Um, I think there should be multiple currencies, competing currencies, and then let the people figure it out, which one is going to be the best. Um, I would be in multiples like that. I would just, you know, I mean, if you're trying to bet on one, like what currency would be the best one? I, right now, I see it as Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin would probably be the best one. Um, not because of any other reason other than you can't stop the transactions. Um, it's global, you know, um, you can transact with somebody and you can transact with anybody in the world. Like if you have a piece of gold, then you have to physically get it to them. You know, you have to put trust out there, um, outside of energy and communication, there's really nothing that can stop a Bitcoin transaction. Does it have its problems? Sure. I mean, there's all kinds of limitations and stuff that would happen with it, but there's all kinds of limitations that happen with gold too. So let's have two. Let's have Bitcoin and gold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. 499 from Super Duty OHV. Do you think it's worth putting in extra work hours right now to buy precious metals? And two, where do you see gold by the end of this decade? Thanks. Um, yes, I think it's always, I mean, anytime you can ever put in extra hours to accumulate more assets. Yeah. I think that's a great idea, whether it's gold, silver or anything. I mean, it doesn't, you know, I personally think that, you know, I would, I mean, if I could figure out a way that I could work 24 seven, I would, yeah, I mean, I just want to bring, you know, I would do it constantly. So working to get gold and silver or putting in extra hours right now. Yeah. I think that would be a great idea. Um, don't take away from your family. Don't take away from your mental health and your personal enjoyment of, of being, you know, 
by absorbing yourself so much into work that that's the only thing that you do. Um, take time for yourself for sure. But yeah, if you have the extra time to do it and, and it's and it's available to you, definitely do it. Um, I don't look, and so for the second question, where do I see it? Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I honestly feel that things are gonna happen in a way that both the dollar and gold are gonna rise together at some time. However, I don't look at precious metals as my way to wealth or, you know, going to increase to the point that I'm going to be so excited about the value of my gold or silver that, you know, I'm, I'm jumping up and down. It's an insurance policy to me. That's the only thing I, I see it as. I don't, I don't look at it like, you know, how much is it today? How much is it worth? How much is it going to be worth in the future? I really just think about how many ounces I have and the network I have to trade that with if it ever came to a point that I needed to unload it. But that's, that's as far as I really take it. Like, I don't, I don't think about like, you know, $500 an ounce silver or if it's going to ever be there. I just think about more about the insurance policy behind it. Um, you know, I mean, I've said it for a long time. I'm not much of an investor. I'm more of an, more of a saver. And that's really where I, I kind of gear my thoughts towards. Um, you know, I put my money towards cash, gold, silver, and cryptos. And I buy a little bit of stock. And I mean, when I buy a little bit, I buy a little bit. It's not much at all. Um, and that's pretty much how I, how I, you know, spend my money or, you know, put my money away. Um, you know, really recently, I've just been trying to build up that, that emergency fund. And, you know, I'm getting closer on that. So if we do have a decent downturn in the market, it's going to be a pretty good position for me to start getting back in again. So, um, I don't know. I hope that answered your question. Uh, let's see here. Michael, thank you so much for the four ninety nine. Uh thanks for the content. Been meaning to send you something. Well, thank you very much. Will materials, not just lumber, drop or are we stuck at a premium even as home values dip? Um I think well, when it comes to framing lumber, this is the one that's gonna be the most volatile. Like, you know, your two by fours and your plywood. I'm I haven't seen it yet, but I have a feeling that we're going to see a dramatic drop in the price of plywood. Now, I just saw it go from like a half inch CDX plywood, your typical sheathing. I just saw that go from $57 a sheet down to 51 and I'm getting reports that the OSB manufacturers are starting to say that they are getting more of an inventory build where they are starting to accept more offers for it. The OSB market, when that took a hit and the manufacturers pretty much pulled because we were reporting on this towards the end of 2019 that OSB was getting pulled off the market. I mean, hundreds of billions of board feet or square feet of, of, of product was being pulled. And I knew that was going to put a strain on the half-inch CDX market. I didn't think it was going to take this long to see the OSB market come back, but it looks like it's starting to, you know, to find its position back into, you know, the distribution networks again, where you can start ordering it and it wouldn't be more than the CDX is. Because that's the reason why I really haven't stocked OSB for the last two years is because you can get CDX cheaper. So building materials, I feel, are going to start coming down. Um, I would watch plywood in you know, the OSB market. That's probably going to be a pretty good indicator. We're seeing the price per thousand still stay elevated up over that thousand per thousand mark, which is going to keep the framing lumber you know, expensive. <laughs> but we're going into higher interest rates. The projects that are taking place right now, those were set into motion a while ago. 
So they're coming into fruition right now. But going into the future, it's going to be difficult to try and set up more projects as interest rates are rising. Material is difficult to source out. Builders are suffering from a lack of profitability from it. I can only assume that if we see what happened in China, that is probably going to take place here in the United States where Chinese property prices were starting to come down. The developers were getting hurt. That's going to put, you know, that's going to put a strain on building materials. And so if we start seeing building materials coming down because of the lack of people building, then you're going to start seeing all the rest of his stuff too. Not just like the framing lumber, but then you're going to start seeing the doors and windows and all those items come down as well. As of right now, I haven't seen it. Lead times on windows I thought was coming down like they were out there, you know, over two months away. They dropped down to about six weeks. I thought, here we come. We're, you know, we're going to get a shortening up of the supply, you know, the building supplies as far as the lead times, but it didn't happen. I mean, they're back up to two months again. You know, let's give it some time and find out what happens. I think the rising of interest rates and once that moves into the economy, like in about five months or so, you're probably going to see a much different environment than what you're seeing right now. Um, again, you know, these projects that are happening right now, these were set into motion a while ago. So what, you know, the decisions that are being made now, that's going to be, you know, we're going to see the reflection of that here in about five months. It's like, you know, what we were talking about earlier. Wow, almost 700 of you guys here. That is so awesome. Go and hit that like button. I'm going to be out here for another 15, 20 minutes or so. Let's see if we can get more people up in here. All right. Uh, no, no. Wow, so many comments. Okay, down and there we go. Where's the next one? David. Thank you so much, David, for the two bucks. Replace... Replace in-cabin air filter and glove compartment. Uh, I'm not sure what that means, okay? Uh, let's see. Salty Apostle, $2. Will Elon make Twitter a neutral link interface? A neural link interface. I don't know what, what Musk plans on doing with that Twitter. I saw that he was going to buy Twitter, and I... <laughs> I don't know. Um, Twitter, I, I I have a tendency to send us fade away from Twitter a little bit. It just seems like it is so popular placed for these, I don't know, politicians and, you know, guys like Musk and all that. They just go out there and they mouth off and they put all this, I don't know, it's, it's too much drama for me. I don't like it, you know. Um, how many people here even use Twitter? Right. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I, I have a Twitter account. I post stuff there. Um, sometimes I go and use it to, you know, check out what some of the other, you know, economists are saying or look for news articles and stuff. But for the most part, I am not much on Twitter at all. All right. Some say Twitter will be his advertising conduit for all his other projects. Now I can see that. Um, yeah. What is Twitter? Yeah, a good one. $15 sheet for OSB is the most I paid in 2007 when the housing markets crashed when I was building. $50 to $90 a sheet has been beyond crazy. Yeah, totally agree. Like, I remember selling OSB when I was a kid. When I was in high school, OSB was $4.99 a sheet. When I saw it hit $80 a sheet, I thought my... I, You know, I was thinking, man... Can you imagine, like, 
the return on investment, even from that long ago, had you had a warehouse that you just stocked up building materials and then never used them, just stored them nice and safe and dry and kept them perfect. And you could be able to build at a cheaper price than anybody, sell spec homes for an insane amount of profit. But the idea of trying to hold on to materials for 20 years is probably not likely going to happen. So, Alrighty. Wow, 741 of you. So awesome. Thank you so much. Be sure and hit the like button. I'm going to be out here for another 15, 20 minutes or so. Um, exactly what I was thinking. Okay, car sales in the UK have fallen off a cliff. Uh, they were so expensive at the start of the lockdown, and now the auctions can't sell the cars they have. Yeah, and I have a feeling that's going to continue to happen. Um, We're going to start seeing a lot of people who ran out there and bought these expensive cars. You know, they're going to find themselves upside down on these cars. And when the repo man comes, you know, it's... I mean, that's probably a business to be in is the repossession of cars because like the government will step up to keep people in their homes, but most likely they're not going to be stepping up to keep people in their cars. That that most likely will force people out there to dump their, their cars to get out of those payments. You know, I don't know how many people I know who bought a car. They were so excited when they first got their car. They're like, yeah, man, I love my car, you know. And then about two years into it, they're like, I am so sick of making payments on this damn thing. I wish it was, I wish I didn't have it. I wish I didn't buy it. That, that, um, you know, the regret of the purchase, the, uh, that, that is going to, that's going to put a lot of inventory of, of cars out there. I mean, at least in my opinion, it should. At the same time with the semiconductor shortage coming to an end, you're going to start seeing a lot more vehicles coming onto the market that have been sitting waiting for these chips to to be you know to be installed on them. At the same time, you got manufacturers who want to continue manufacturing. It's not like, you know, they're going to like stop production. I mean, they want to continue to produce. So there's going to be a lot of vehicles. I have a feeling in a couple of years, we're going to see a lot of vehicles at a much cheaper price than we have right now. In fact, I'm kind of counting on it. So I'm going to start saving right now. I'm going to do a car fund so that I can buy my Camaro in two years. How does that sound? You guys okay with me buying a Camaro in two years? <laughs> All right, David, thank you so much for the $5. It's an air filter that is located inside your glove compartment and keeps the air clean inside your car. I also drove a Corolla. Google it. Okay, I will. Because um, I, you know, I like to have a healthy environment to be in. So if it cleans the air, I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, are you a model? Uh, no. <laughs> Why? Could I be? Uh. Uh. Let's see here. What is your outlook on the chip shortage? When will they be normalized? Um, I I don't know when it will normalize, but if you go and Google some of the articles now, you can find that, see, it just like anything out there, when the shortage came in, like all of a sudden there's like nothing to be had, this little tiny chip kept people from producing their product. That put a demand for these chips out there that was huge, like a huge demand. And so these people who came in shortage of them, like, you know, the car manufacturers, 
started sourcing them out from wherever they could, including manufacturing their own. So you had this chip shortage that was huge. The manufacturers of chips started ramping up production. Well, now here the production is starting to ramp up into a point where it's filling that demand. That demand is not going to be as big as it once was because of the same reasons like we saw the inventory rise. If you cannot get your product to build, to build, you know, you got a car, you got a chip shortage. You order 10 chips, you don't get 10, you get two. So you order 20 chips so you can get four, right? That puts a demand out there that these manufacturers go, holy moly, we need to produce 20 chips. No, you only really need it four, right? But the demand was so high because you allocated and the shortages were happening and people were panic buying. All this stuff created a demand for these chips was far more than what was actually existing out there. And so they ramp up production. Once that production ramps up, it's going to flood the system out there. And once the system is flooded, all these chip manufacturers who ramped up production are going to start going out of business. Look at the masks. Look at masks. The, just the surgical masks. Almost all of them come from China. When there came a shortage of them, the United States ramped up production. Now, here are all these manufacturers here in the United States who had invested in ramping up production are now competing with cheap foreign imports again. They can no longer stay in business, and so they're going to go out of business, right? So here in the United States, we were trying to be more sustainable on our own by producing our own stuff, but now we can't compete with the foreign imports, and so they're going to go out of business. That is going to happen on the chip thing, right? And now it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen here in the United States, but it's going to happen on a global scale. Those who ramped up production, who are the most you know expensive chip manufacturers out there, they're the ones who are going to suffer as the cheaper competitors are going to start, you know, being able to flood the market because there's not enough demand out there. That's that's kind of how I see the chip shortage happening. I mean, it's going to eventually come to an end. Uh, let's see here. Uh, 833. Man, I don't think I've ever had so many people on a live stream. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm going to give it probably another five to ten minutes i probably should go back into work here soon uh let's see here william 499 heard about you in a chat on owen benjamin's channel on unauthorized tv thanks for the insight well thank you so much for coming over and checking out the channel and thank you so much for the 499 super chat i really appreciate that and man thank you owen benjamin for giving me those shout outs i think i have probably heard more people come to this channel on account of you, Owen, than just about anybody out there. Um, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. We're going to have to have a conversation here real soon. Uh, let's see here. There's another one up there. $4.99 from Jaws. Thank you so much, Jaws. Saving envelope are the way to go. Help you pay cash. Going to need a big one for a Camaro. Yeah, I am going to need a big one for a Camaro, but... I figured two years, that's that's reasonable, right? I mean to to save up for you know for that long so that you know I don't have to drive the, the Toyota any longer. I mean you guys would be cool with me driving a Camaro, wouldn't you? Alright. Thank you very much, Jaws. That is that was very cool of you. Whoa, thank you, Jay Betzelo. Jay Betzelo for a hundred dollars super chat. My gosh. Thank you so much. Not even a question to go with it. You're very kind. Do you see UE behavior changing like those who wear masks and bring food shortages because of their sheeple-like behavior? Okay. Do you see 
UE behavior changing like those who wear masks and bring food shortages because of their sheeple-like behavior? I'm not sure what that question... I'm not sure of the question, man. You might have to restate that one for me. I'm sorry. Thank you so much, DB, for the $2. Very cool. Any mailbag today? Um, I check the mail usually on Thursdays or Fridays. Um, so I will, I will do a mail call on Friday for you. Um, yeah, that was very cool of, uh, of, uh, Jay Betzelio. <laughs> I'm not sure how to say your name, but thank you so much for that hundred dollar super chat. That is very cool of you. Yui, I think you're going to see great financial success in the future with how you're, how you've built your channel. Well, thank you. Um, I'm hoping so. Um, I have a, I have a plan. I have a two year plan here that I really want to set into motion. Um, if I can get, if I can get the steps moving, I'll let you guys in on it, what I'm doing. It's pretty simple, uh, what I plan on doing, but I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be quite impactful. And so, um, if I do it right, I think that there will be a lot of success from it. Um, you know, both financially and just, you know, personally rewarding. So I'm looking forward to, to, to this project that I'm going to be working on. Like I said, it's probably about a two year long thing that I, that I'm planning on doing here, but, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, this channel has really changed my life. I mean, I, I can't even explain in, in, in like in every way, like, in every way so um thank you guys eric thank you again for the man 499 would you quit your day job to become a full-time youtuber also your hairstyle is slick you have inspired me to get a similar style well yeah if you ever come up to astoria then go to uh cut and shave downtown astoria they're like somewhere around the 14th street mark 14th block and um, those those guys in there, they do an awesome job. Miss Lindsay cut my hair last time. She did fabulous on it. Um, you know, they're they're awesome. They're very professional in there. Everything about the experience is great. I mean, they even do like, you know, the hot shaving cream with the straight razor and all that other stuff. So, yeah, um, I appreciate it. And do I ever plan on quitting my day job? Um, I don't know. Um. I, I I enjoy getting up and going to work. Like I enjoy the people, I enjoy the job, I enjoy what I do. Um, you know, there's times where you know, of course, everybody would rather be doing something else with their life. But I I do like having something in my life like this. You know, is that I get up in the morning and I and I have a responsibility to go to work and and you know and do a good job there and provide for the family and stuff. Could I use that time to? you know, push, say YouTube more. I could, um, right now YouTube for me is a hobby. It's an extreme hobby for me, but it's still, you know, it's not something I'm required to do. It's something that I get to do. And if I quit my job, then I would be required to do this. And I don't know if it would be the same for me after that. So I like having it as, as something I get to do. And I would like to try and maintain that to, you know, if I could ever put it in a position in which that maybe I was making revenue from another source, then I could continue to do YouTube as a get to instead of a have to. If that was the case, then I might, um, you know, quit my day job. But as of right now, I like having my day job so that I 
get to do YouTube as opposed to have to. So I hope that answers your question there. Uh, and thank you very much again for the super chat. All right. What do I do for a day job? I, I do retail sales at a lumber yard. Um, basically, like my job is special orders. So if you come into looking for like a, you know, you're replacing a window or your front door or you need to order some siding that we don't stock in the yard, then I'm the guy you come to. I'm the one who does all the special orders and tracks down all those specialty items and stuff. Um, so other than that, you know, I just stand at the counter for the most part, ringing up customers, stocking shelves, dusting. You know. I try to I try to answer the phone as much as I can because that's where the sales are. So that's what I do for a day job. Pretty simple. Uh, better to have it on the side and keep your regular safety net. That's kind of the way I felt about it. I mean, you know, I get good benefits here. Um, the pay is, is decent, you know. Um, I get vacations. I get, a, you know, I get employee discounts. So, you know, working on the house is, is a lot cheaper for me than, than most people. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. So anyway, Oh, okay guys. I have like one more minute. So I'm going to answer one more question here and then I have got, I've got to go back into work, but I cannot believe it. Oops. There we go. But I cannot believe how awesome you guys are. 820 of you, all the wonderful super chats. So let's get this last question in here. Where are we at? Um, car insurance increasing. They are asking that they will give a little discount for tracking. Yeah, I've heard other people do that. Okay, here we go. Here's a question. Uneducated economists went all in on debt based on non-productive asset in the worst economy since World War II. Yes, I did. Ugh. Didn't want to. But the property that I moved on to has a couple of containers on it. And these containers have electricity running through. They are set up to do anything I want. Now, I'm not sure exactly what it is that I'm gonna do on this piece of property to start getting it to pay for itself, but I'm going to do that. And I'm, I have some ideas. Um, I haven't put anything into motion yet on those. I'm still trying to figure out what direction it is that I wanna do. But you're right, I bought an asset at the worst possible time that you could, especially a non-productive one, which is not what I wanted to do, but I needed a place to live. So I did it. Am I happy I did it? Actually, I am. Um, I've been pretty happy being out there where I'm at. The family is happy with it. You know, um, I'm not sure what else I would have done other than move away from the area. So yeah, I mean, I bit the bullet and I did it, but um, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure out a way that I can get this property to start paying for itself or at least offset, you know, some of the uh, some of the mortgage payments. And when I figure that one out, I'm going to let you guys know what I've done. Um, but until then, yeah, I agree with you. I bought it at the worst possible time and it's a non-productive asset. So it's not something that I was really anticipating doing, but it's a done deal. Now I got to figure it out. Okay. Uh <laughs> that was the question. All right, uneducated economist, you guys let me know. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you.